0: Holly Springs as we're beginning uh, to see ourselves as a church uh, that disciples other people. Gary is helping lead us into that uh, kind of a mindset where we're not just coming to worship on Sunday, but we're coming to train disciples. And then that means that you need to be involved in being trained and training other people. Uh, That's what we want, and that's what the scripture uh, calls us to do. Uh, I'm, I'm excited because I have chosen several men in the church that I have begun to pray for. That makes me excited to pray for those men, but I've also uh, have a couple of young men that I'm mentoring. Uh, one of them is Travis and one of them is Taylor. They're sitting here this morning. Uh, it's been a joy of mine to, to work with Travis for several years now. He's going through seminary and, and will graduate in May. You will have the privilege of hearing Travis uh, speak to you at least on a Wednesday night and probably also on a Sunday morning. Not only does he need to do that uh, to graduate, but then I get to watch him do that, and I get to grade him, so that's kind of fun for me. Um, And I get paid for doing it, so it's pretty cool. Uh, The seminary actually pays me. I don't understand that at all. Uh, But anyhow, so I'm having fun. When we were visiting this week, Travis is going... Uh, through a preaching class, and uh, so he's got to go through two. He he does eight weeks uh, this first semester, and then he does eight weeks before May, and he'll graduate. And uh, when we were talking about worship, we we met at my house, uh, and we were talking about worship, and he started talking about the worship service, and and we both were conversing about how worship uh, sometimes gets misconstrued. I'm even pretty famous for doing that I'll say something like, uh, oh, the band is going to come and we're going to have an all-worship uh, Sunday where the band just leads us in worship. And it kind of gives the connotation that other aspects of what we do are not worship when nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I, I was telling Travis uh, when when I was in seminary back in the 80s, we, we did a, um, a class, uh, it was a introduction to music class i know that shocks all of you that i took an introduction to music class but it was it was a prerequisite it was forced on us i would have never taken it uh, because i have no music skills at all but they made everybody who was going into the ministry take the class so that you could begin to understand the premise of how music plays a role in worship and and what the premise and what the understanding of that music is in worship and one of the things that we had to do is one of the things that Travis is even having to do in his class. He, you have to plan out an, a complete worship service. And so when I was working on that project, we were planning out this worship service and we were doing things a little bit more high church back in the 80s, you know, and some of you that are my age will be familiar with doing like preludes and and, and readings and all those kinds of things. And so we, we, we had to incorporate those in entire service. But one of the things that I distinctly remember in being shocked at finding out for the first time was that offering is not just a pause in the worship service, but it's actually an act of worship. It's something that you do. And I remember listening to the professor talk about uh taking the offering as worship. And I thought, oh my gosh, I I've really never considered that before, but that, that's part of what it is. And then she went on to say, preaching is not only preaching God's word, but it's an act of worship. And, and I'm telling you that, and Travis and I had this conversation about how important it is for us to begin to teach the church the importance of worship and what worship is. And what Clint started off with this morning was even just that understanding of, hey, you're, you're walking in Your heart should be tuned to begin to worship the minute you walk in the door. And everything we do is is for us to help worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's really important for you to hear me say this. Jason, when he plans worship, doesn't just look and go, hey, we haven't sung this song in a while, we haven't sung this song in a while, Let's, let's sing these songs. What Jason wants to know is, is what am I preaching on? What are we gonna worship on when we look at God's word? And and where is the church right now in, in its heart and its desire with missions and discipleship and other things like that? And so as he begins to look uh, for what we will worship with in music that morning, he diligently puts forth effort to make sure that we are all being tuned the right way. Uh, it's such an important thing. And if you look through Scripture, you'll see even where it talks about in the Psalms and different places about how when you worship, there your heart should be guided toward God. And so it, it's, it's something that you're going to hear me mention every once in a while when, when we do different things about how important it is that you understand that the worship that we do is, is not segmented into parts. Oh, we prayed, but prayer is not worship. Now we sing. Oh, that's worship. Oh, now we preach. That's not worship, but we're preaching. That's not true. Uh, we prayed. We prayed to the God who loves us. That's worship. Then, then we sang and we sang to the God who gives us grace and mercy. That's worship. And then we gave our offering. And we gave our offering to the God who has given us everything. That's worship. And now we open his word and we study his word and we look at his word because he is the provider of all good gifts and all things that we need to know to help us be better followers of him. And that's worship. And in just a few minutes, we'll close out the worship service while we worship through the chance for you To have your hearts answer what the Holy Spirit has shared with you through worship this morning. That's what we're doing here this morning. That's why you came. That's why it's important to be part of a community that worships God. It's interesting this morning because this morning we're going to talk about solitude. We're going to talk about being by yourself and taking the time to, to be by yourself and to talk to God by yourself. But that all has to take place along with the opportunity that you place yourself in community to worship also. So let's look here at the scripture as we talk about disciplines of a disciple. We've been doing this for several weeks. Gary kind of let us off and Clint has shared a couple of times too. And now I'm getting to share for the second time after a wonderful hunting trip last weekend. Somebody asked me if I shot Bambi and I said no. I did not shoot Bambi, but I did shoot Porky the pig. He was there, and I got him, and I have proof. So um, anyhow, it was a great weekend, but I appreciate the fact that those guys cover for me, and they cover so well. Now it's my great joy to share with you what the Lord has laid on my heart about solitude. Uh, as we have kind of gone into these disciplines we've talked about some inward disciplines we've talked about prayer and and bible study and fasting and things that you kind of take inward with you and now we're kind of looking outward at at some things and in in a while uh, in the next few Sundays we'll look at some corporate things that we do together in fact Corporately, we worship together, and we'll talk about that. And corporately, we even confess together, and we'll talk about that. But as we looked at the outward things, we talked about simplicity. And then we, we talked uh, uh, about how we can uh, do different things in our life to make sure that outwardly we're focused correctly. And one of those is solitude, is how we spend time alone with God, how, how important it is for us next week we're going to talk about submission and the minute i say the word submission bells go off and and whistles blow in your mind and people go oh my gosh we don't want to go there we don't want to talk about submission nobody likes to talk about submission but i i was even as i was preparing for this morning i I thought about putting solitude and submission together and as i i looked at it i just could not Bring myself to the place where I could not give submission a, a whole Sunday of what I want to share with you. And the importance of submission and how it means you lay your ego at the altar. That's what it takes to be submissive. And I, I really am so excited about next week uh, that I hope you will be back to listen to what the Lord has to share with all of us about the importance of submission. But this morning is important too. This morning, I want to share with you about how God has laid it within Scripture and shown to us over and over again how important it is for us to take personal time in solitude. Now, all this is based on on the verse 2 Timothy 1, 7, where it says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but he gave us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So how do we take that love and that power and put it in to self-discipline where we learn to be disciplined in the things we do. Now, I, I want to share just at the very beginning this morning that being disciplined in life is, is for a purpose, and that purpose is to achieve a greater good. The purpose of discipline, listen to me, the purpose of discipline is not to be disciplined, but to become free. Do you understand that? Because the discipline comes in freedom, not in the disciplines. In other words, if you focus only on discipline, which a lot of people do, and a lot of people rant and rave about is how disciplined they are, then you've missed out on the purpose of why you want to be disciplined. Because you want to be disciplined to achieve freedom. Discipline leads you to an answer. And that answer is Jesus Christ. That's what discipline does for you. Now, um, I did something that I don't very often do, but I brought my golf club to church. Um, I very seldom do that. But this is my driver. And I want to explain to you what I mean by Uh, the struggle of being focused on discipline. So here's kind of an example. So Clint talked about fasting uh, not long ago. And uh, some of you may have begun to place into your disciplines the practice of fasting. I I hope that's true. I hope you're doing that. But I hope in, in the presence and understanding of what fasting is, you remember what the scripture teaches about it, that fasting is not something that you brag about, and it's also not something that you're going to do to to show off. So, you know, if if we're talking about fasting, and you leave here and you grab uh, your friend and say, hey, I've been practicing fasting. I didn't eat all last week. You know, well, number one, you're probably lying. I mean, we know that already if you say you didn't eat all last week. But even if you did go all week long without eating? Are you more concerned about that's what you're accomplishing? It's a, it's a goal that you set out that you want to achieve? Or are you doing that discipline because it's bringing you closer to the answer? Are you striving for that answer, that freedom that comes with it? You see, discipline in your life is not supposed to be work necessarily. It's supposed to be What's helping to guide you to freedom, to the answer who Jesus is in your life. So, study, like I preached about a couple of weeks ago, isn't the burden of discipline, it's the joy of discipline. When you study, you see what God is showing you in His Word, you see how faithful He is in teaching you. And as He begins to teach you in His Word as you study, then freedom comes. And with that freedom, you're being moved closer and closer to what the answer is in your life. And the answer is always, how can you be more like Christ? How can you be more Christ-like? So this helps me kind of to understand. It may or may may not help you. I have no idea. But I, I want to explain to you that... I like playing golf in fact there, there are several sports that I enjoy and a lot of them are uh, what I would call individual sports like hunting and golf and uh, there, there's a, I, I find great joy in team sports and watching team sports but as you grow older you know a lot of times team sports begin to kind of rule themselves out. I played basketball in high school and, and growing up was, was really my favorite sport but it's it's harder now to play basketball to find you know six guys that want to play and will feel sorry for me because of my age so uh i don't play a whole lot of basketball but i i do play a lot of individual sports when i was in high school uh, one of my best friends happened to be a girl whose dad was a golf pro and he worked at a country club in houston and uh, as i was a junior and senior in high school And I was good friends with Barbara. Barbara's dad, Art Hody, who was a a very well-known golf pro in Houston, started asking me if I wanted to work with him some on Friday evenings and Saturdays when I was out of school. And so I did. And every Saturday morning for my junior and senior year, I would wake up and go to the golf course with Mr. Hody at 5 a.m. I would meet him at his house, we would drive to the waffle house and he would buy me breakfast and then we would be at the golf course by about six fifteen, and golfers would start showing up about seven and i would get their bags i would do all kinds of things to help mr hody but every once in a while when it slowed down mr hody would say hey you want to go out and you want me to show you uh, how to play you want me to give you a lesson i'd say yes sir i really do And so we would go out, and he would show me. You know, the first thing that Mr. Hody ever showed me was the grip of a golf club. And he basically said, you're going to grab it with your left hand, you're going to point your thumb down, and then you're going to take your right hand, you're going to wrap your little finger in that little crease right there, and then you're going to come over that thumb, and you're going to point the other thumb down. And he said, you're going to line that club up just like that. And he showed me how to grip a club. In fact, I still remember to this day when we were driving out, To the golf course mr hody would grab the steering wheel and he would grab it and he would grip it like a golf club and he would work and he would tweak it and do a little bit of this and a little bit of that because the grip is so important in golf and then he taught me about taking a a stance and he talked about how the the golf ball especially when you're using a driver should really be more up here near the front and he taught me about how to take my swing back and uh, swivel my hips, twist the hips so that you could gain more power and then coming down through and everything. You know what he was doing when he was teaching me how to play golf? He was teaching me all the disciplines of what it takes to swing a golf club well. And there's so many different disciplines. There's the grip, there's the stance, there's how you take it back, and then there's how you follow through and roll through All the different things that he taught me about playing golf are the disciplines of what it takes to make a really good swing. Now here, watch this. This is what I'm trying to convey to you about when you get locked up in the disciplines. You know this if you play sports or do anything else that takes multiple disciplines like a golf swing does. All these multiple disciplines take place here. And when you get ready to swing, if you do this, if you go, okay, how's my grip? Okay, how's my back swing? Okay, how's my hips? And how's my coming through and all that kind of stuff? If you do that, you're going to look like a goofball when you hit it. Because your mind is just spinning with, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And am I doing this right? And you, and you just get totally out of control. So what you do, think about it. What you do is you go to the golf range and you practice. You practice your stance, you practice your take back, you practice hitting the ball, and you practice and practice. But when you go out to finally get to play the game, you don't want to think about all that stuff. You know what you want here? You want freedom. You just want the freedom to make a good golf swing. And so when you take it back and then you hit the ball and it happens to go... In my case, about 150 yards down the fairway. That's funny if you know anything about golf because it's supposed to go about 300 yards down the fairway. But if you do it, then you're in complete freedom and you've moved closer to the answer. That's what I'm trying to help you to understand about the disciplines that, that we share with you. Don't get locked up in the discipline of Like solitude today, we're we're going to talk about solitude. Well, don't get locked up and, well, you know, Bobby said that we're supposed to spend time alone, so, you know, I'm going to spend the next three days just by myself, completely away from everybody. Well, maybe that's what you're supposed to do. But the key question should be, are you doing that because it's providing you the freedom to be closer as you draw near to Christ? So let's look at some things. Inward solid, solitude has outward manifestations. So if, if you begin to practice solitude, you're, you're going to have these outward manifestations. And you know what the greatest manifestation of being quiet is? You get to hear Jesus better. But think about a conversation You know, Laura and I, I mean, we we converse all the time. But as I grow older, the more I realize that she talks and sometimes I just don't listen or hear. And part of it's my age and part of it's my hearing, but part of it's because I'm not tuned in. In fact, we've begun a new practice at our house, and we're not perfect at it yet, but the new practice is this. When she's talking to me, she has to say, Bobby, and I have to look at her, and that helps. It really does, because when she says, Bobby, and I look at her, then she goes, did you know that we're doing this later on today, or something like that? And I go, oh, okay, yeah, no, I did not know that we were doing that. But that's the quietness and the focus. Well, that's what solitude does for you it brings you quietness and focus and the purpose of that is so that you can tune into what Jesus is saying to you now you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that Jesus spent a whole lot of time alone in fact I I wrote these down we're not going to look at every verse but you can if you want to write these down in your notes you can but listen to me he spent 40 days in the desert when he started his ministry all by himself And that's in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. He spent the night alone before he chose the 12 disciples. Before he ever chose his disciples, he went off by himself. That's in Luke 6, 12. When he heard of the death of John the Baptist, he went to be by himself. That's in Matthew 14, 13. After feeding the 5,000 with all those people around, he said, I need to go away and be by myself and that's in Matthew 14 23 after a mission trip that Jesus went on he took his disciples and they went to a lonely place that's in quotes that's what the scripture calls it they went off to a lonely place that's in Mark 6 31 over and over and over again you find Jesus by himself in fact if you remember right before he was crucified listen to what it says in Luke 22 Verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. And on reaching that place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And then verse uh, 41 of Luke 22 says this, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and he knelt down and prayed. And he said, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus, even as he was getting ready to head toward his crucifixion, and even as he was surrounded by his disciples, he went off to be by himself and spend some time alone just talking to his Father. That's what solitude is. It's all throughout Scripture. Spending time together with others and time to yourself by yourself is both necessary for spiritual maturity. You need to be here this morning. Being here this morning allows you to spiritually mature and grow. It's important for you to be here. But there are some times that you need to get alone and be by yourself and just spend some time alone. We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Travis and I were talking about that the other day. I, I, I feel... Uh, like sooner or later, we need to just go through the book of James here, and I think we will do that. Travis, uh, as he's preparing for this semester, is going through First John, and we, we may do that book next after we get out of here because of the joy that First John brings. But over and over again in Scripture, you will find, especially in James, where it talks about how we need to be uh, quick to listen and slow to speak. Hey, have you ever looked at this, just this kind of ties in with that solitude understanding of, of when we listen, we're quiet? Um, turn, turn with me real quick. I, I want you to go to Matthew. I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, go to Matthew. And I, I want to go to the uh, 17th chapter. This is Jesus on, on the Mount of Transfiguration. I just want to show you Peter. Peter is always a great example Uh, to us he does so many things right and there's so many times when when he's uh, out in front and uh, he has to be uh, pulled back now when when jesus went up to the mount of transfiguration one of the things that happened there uh, was moses and elijah came down and he had the he had a few of the disciples with him peter was one of them and he showed them what who he really was uh, because uh, he came into his full uh, glory when he was out on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's the first time the disciples had seen that, just a few of them, but it's the first time that they had actually seen it and gone, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. And you can imagine uh, you know, their, their astonishment that even though they'd been following him, even though they believed he was the Son of God, here's the moment of reality where reality hits, and he is the son of God. Look at uh, Matthew, the 17th chapter, and it says, After six days Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up uh, a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the, the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So here's the disciples they're looking at this, and they're going bananas. They've got to be going bananas, especially internally. Yeah, I mean, just their hearts have to be going crazy that, that the Jesus that they followed, the Jesus that they have uh, placed their lives on the line for, He is the Son of God. This is what, what's being shown to them. And look, look at this, verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, "'Lord, it's good for us to be here if you wish. "'I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah.' And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, "'This is my son, whom I love with him. "'I am well pleased. Listen to him.' And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and terrified. But Jesus came and touched them and said, "'Get up,' and he said, "'Don't be afraid.' And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. There's two things that I want you to get out of here that are completely different than most of the time when you would study the transfiguration because we're going to look at Peter here in a couple of different things. The first one is nobody asked him anything, but he blurted out, let's build three shelters here. And I'm sure what he thought was really, really a good idea. Uh, I'm sure he thought this was probably how he was going to score some points with Jesus. Uh, if, if, I, if I screen this out, I'll be the first one out in front doing the coolest thing for Jesus, and, and I'll be the hero disciple. But... The understanding here when when you read about the transfiguration is that Jesus brought him up to show him who he was and wasn't looking for any cheerleading, wasn't looking for anybody uh, to go crazy, to build some big monuments or anything. He just wanted them to see him in his full glory. Now here's the other fascinating thing that if you really dig deep into this, you'll catch. Jesus never answered him. Peter says, Let's do this and let's let's make these big shelters that we can all be here together and we can all worship you and all your glory. And Jesus, Jesus didn't say, Peter, that's a crummy idea. He didn't say, hey, Peter, you're the only one who got it, bingo, you're the winner. Peter just moved on because Jesus didn't answer him. And then Jesus, in all his glory, frightened him because all of a sudden Moses and Elijah are gone and they're all just sitting there and Jesus comes over to him and he doesn't answer what Peter wants. But he comes up to Peter and says, hey, don't be afraid. There's really no reason for you to be afraid. You see, that, that's part of what I want you to grab out of solitude. When, when you come to solitude, it's not really always, in fact, I don't think it's very often about you talking to Jesus. It's more about you just listening. And that's really a very hard thing for us to do. We're we're not very good listeners. And one of the reasons we're not very good listeners is because it's difficult for us to spend time. And it's way more difficult now than it's ever been. I mean, you guys are all aware of how much uh, technology has invaded our lives. You know, I... You know I was out hunting last weekend, and one of the favorite things that I like to do when I hunt is just go out and sit in the stand and do absolutely nothing. And when we were getting ready to go one afternoon and go out and hunt, uh, Evan turned to me and said, hey, Dad, are you taking your phone with you so in case I see something, I can text you? And I said, no, I'm not. And if you see something, you can just tell me when you get back because I just want to be sitting out there and not worrying about, oh my gosh, I just got a text. Or I don't want that. I want those few hours just to sit by myself. You know, you know always a lot of hunting to me is hunting. But even more, hunting to me is that opportunity to find just a chance to be quiet and for my mind to be open to what God says to me. I know that's crazy. You know, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to have a 270 sitting in, the, in a chair with you, you know, with binoculars. But that's how I choose to do it. In, in fact, I, I have to tell you this story. I was hunting, and I'd gone to the deepest, darkest corner of, of the the uh, the land that we hunt on, the 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 fence uh, that borders the property was probably somewhere around where uh, the baseball field starts out there. And so I was sitting in the stand right here, and there was a feeder right there, and I was just sitting there, and uh, I was talking to God, and I was actually I had asked God a couple of questions, and then I was just sitting and I was just listening. And, uh, you know, (laughs) there's always the risk when you say stuff like, I'm getting ready to say, uh, that people are going to think you're crazy. And that's okay. I've already determined a long time ago that I probably am crazy. So, uh, but I was, I'd asked God a couple of questions, and, and God was talking back to me. And I was listening. And I just sat there, and I thought, man, God, you are such a wise God. And I just sat there. And I guess maybe I have some ADD, because then I thought, I haven't seen an animal yet. (laughs) And uh, the feeder had gone off like 45 minutes ago, and I looked down at my watch, and I'd been sitting in the stand for like three hours. And it was a quarter till six, and I just thought, I'm going to, I'm going to give this till six, and then I'm going to leave. So I sat there, and it was just quiet. And you guys, all of you have been in situations where you just have seen God in in his majesty, in the beauty of the, you know, the whatever situation you're in and I was just looking and I, I just saw the beauty and, and thought about how amazing our God is. And I thought, you know, it's, it's just an amazing God that we, we worship. And I guess I'm going to go because there's not an animal within a million miles of me, I don't guess. And I looked up and under that feeder, 15 pigs walked in. And I went, oh, my God. And he said, yes. (laughs) This is the truth. I reached over and grabbed my rifle, and I put it up, and I was looking, and I decided the one I wanted to shoot, and I pulled the trigger, and I hadn't loaded the gun. (laughs) And I went... Wow, well, you're hunting. Come on. <laughs> and so I went through all the stuff and I loaded the gun and then I shot and Porky was gone. Um, but that moment, that moment was what, what I want you to see that was driven was that the, the driving force for me was that I was just out by myself. And God was talking, and it was so cool. And hunting just happened to be the avenue that, that God had given me. Listen, you're, when, when we're together, your tongue is a, is a thermometer and a thermostat. Uh, your tongue uh, can you, be used to do harm to people. It can also be used to do wonderful things for people. Uh, But in that way, in that understanding, it's it's a thermostat. It shows your connection with the Savior. And so James is always trying to point out to us about how that tongue can be the thermometer and the thermostat. And and the connection comes from the understanding of how much time are you spending with God and allowing him to talk with you. In solitude. So let me share with you three things real briefly about how you can do better in solitude. How you can put solitude into practice in your life. The first thing is, is to practice on a small scale. Just a small scale. Let me read uh, Psalm 2. You don't have to go there, but I want to read uh, Psalm, the fifth chapter, the third verse. I love this psalm, and I love what it says. It says in Psalm 5:3. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. And in the morning, I lay my requests before you. And wait in expectation. So here's how you put solitude into practice in your life, even if it's on a small scale. When you wake up in the morning, talk to the Lord about your day. And then wait. I mean, just, I'm not asking for an hour. You know, I'm not telling you spend six hours alone with God. Take 10 or 15 minutes. Just see if you can find some small place where you can just spend some time in solitude with God. Even if it's just laying in your bed when you wake up and say, okay, God, I'm I'm waiting in expectation for you to speak to me. I I wrote this down. This is a... a song that Stuart Townsend, none of you will know it. I don't even know it, but I, I just liked what it said. It said, Christ be in my waking as the sun is rising, in my day of working with me every hour. Christ be in my resting as the day is ending, calming and refreshing, watching through the night. Oh, that we would be like that, that we would look for segments in our day, whether it's just you're waking or maybe just a a couple of minutes that you can grab at lunch maybe just as you're heading to bed that night that instead of flipping on that tv or instead of grabbing the phone and looking at your last few messages for the day that you just spend some quiet time with god some solitude with god Uh, when when we were in jamaica uh, the last few years they've sung this song and it's really uh, affected a lot of us it's just a it's a sweet little course but listen to what it says i will not move until you bless me i'll stay right here until i hear from you my soul is thirsty and i am broken only you can make me whole again i, I love that part I'm, I'm not moving until you bless me and I'm, I'm staying right here until I hear from you. What would it be like if all of us put into practice that we didn't move until God spoke to us? Now, you know, you're not waiting for the, the big, earth-shattering speaking. But what might happen would be in the morning when you woke up, if you were just in a quiet place and listened for God to speak to you, and he said, hey, today it's really important that you're kind to your coworker because they've, they've had a really hard day. Or today it's really important that you go up and tell your professor how much you appreciate them because they never hear that very much. Or maybe, maybe the Lord would speak to you and say, hey, today this child of yours needs your attention today. That's what you're just listening for, for God to speak to you. Just giving that window, that moment of solitude in your life so that he can share something with you. So the first thing is just looking for small places to practice solitude. The second thing is this. Consider finding a spot that you can have solitude. You know, when I was writing this down, the first image that came to me is all those moms... You know that have kids you know and the solitude the only place they can get solitude is to go to the bathroom and close the door you know and keep all the kids out and then that image that came to me that all moms have experienced you know where the kids reach up under the door and start doing that you know and you're going get away you know that's what I'm talking about I don't know where your solitude place I told you about mine already i I love to play golf. I don't play it very often, but when I do, that's kind of a, a chance to get away. I love to go hunt. Uh, fishing is a great one. I know I'm talking about lots of guys stuff now. Uh, ladies uh, are going on a retreat uh, this weekend. I'm hoping that a lot of them maybe will have a chance just to find some solitude and get away. But you need a place that you can kind of call your own um, You know, I try to be out every Sunday morning, visiting and talking and and sharing with people. But about, usually about 9.30, 9.45, I go to my office and I close the door. And everybody that's standing by my door, I usually say, I'm so sorry, I'm not trying to be rude, but I just want to spend some time. And what I do is just spend some time looking over what I'm going to share with you again, but then trying to listen to see if God puts something on my heart that he really wants me to share with you um you know if you have a spare bedroom or an extra bedroom or an extra closet or anything where you can set a chair in you know where you can just get away i i encourage you to do that Um, it it can make a huge difference in your life and the last thing i just wrote down here solitude should bring fruit so you need to look at the fruit To gauge how well you're doing in the discipline so here's several things that i just wrote down you know are these fruits coming forth in your life when you speak is what you're saying really important and does it need to be said sometimes you just need to not say anything and that will be a fruit of the discipline of solitude (laughs) that you will catch yourself saying I was going to say something here, but you know what? I don't need to say anything. I'll be just fine not saying anything. Can you speak fewer words and the same task be accomplished? That's difficult for me. I'm, I'm a wordy guy. I love to speak. But a lot of times I have to catch myself and say, you know, I, I don't need to say all that. I can be quieter and gain the same advantages. And then do you actually do what you say you're going to do? You know, when you spend time in solitude with the Lord, then you become more and more of a truth teller. Uh, you, you become more and more the guy that people look to and say his words are honest. He's a man of integrity. He's a, she's a woman of integrity. The words that she speaks, carry a lot of weight have you ever noticed that before it's usually the quietest people uh, that carry the most weight because when they speak everybody goes they just kind of lean in and they start listening and i don't want to get all into politics here uh, but i think that's one of the struggles that president trump has right now he just speaks so much you know he's always on constantly on social media i think if he just backed off and would only say a few things, I think people would go, oh, I don't know. But I, I, I do know that we, as believers, we need to be the kind of people whose words make a difference. Well, the story is told of a man who was in desperate need. He decided to spend some time in solitude and prayer. And he felt called to go directly to the king and ask the king for help. Now, this king was Alexander the Great. You've heard of him. And this man was desperate. And he thought Alexander the Great was the only one who could answer him. So he got an audience before the king and said, King Alexander the Great, I'm in desperate need and I need help. Can you help me? And the king sent that man to his treasurer. Well, the treasurer heard the man and heard his need, but he was hesitant to give the man anything that he asked for because he asked for very much. And when he, the treasurer went to Alexander the Great and said, you sent a man to me and he asked me for what I considered to be very much. And I wasn't sure whether to give it to him or not. This is what Alexander the Great replied. He said this, Give him what he needs. He treated me like a king. And because he treated me like a king when he was asking me, I'm going to treat him like a king when I give to him. Listen, when we're in solitude, and we go before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we treat him... Exactly as he is and who he is, you know what's going to happen? Your request for things that you don't really need are going to come down and down and down. And what you're going to request for are things that you're really pretty desperate about. And guess what? Most of the time, in fact, probably almost all the time, that's not going to be money. It's not going to be more things, but you're going to start requesting for people's hearts to be changed for you to be a better dad or a better mom for you to be a a better teacher for you to be more involved in kingdom things and you're going to ask for those kinds of things because you realize you're talking to the king of kings and the lord of lords and when you talk to the king of kings and lord of lords that way the king of kings is going to say you're treating me like the king i am now guess what i'm going to give it to you i'm going to make you a better dad i'm going to make you a better husband I'm going to make you a better mom. I'm going to make you a better teacher. I'm going to make you more concerned for things of the kingdom because that's my heart. And when you get in tune with my heart, then I'm going to tune your heart to be just like mine. The only way that will ever happen is if we get quiet before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and we listen to him speak to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are uh, incredibly grateful for your great grace and your mercy. And Father, it's amazing that we consider ourselves to be incredibly busy people. But Father, that busyness doesn't have anything to do so much of the time with serving you well. And so, Father, we would pray that you would place our hearts with your heart. Father, that you would teach us just like Jesus was and did to find places where we can be alone and where we can listen to your still, small voice. Father, we ask that you would place us in situations where we can remove all the distractions that are in our life. Father, help us to look for places where we can be alone with you. God, we want to be disciplined people, but we want to be disciplined people because in that discipline comes freedom. And in that freedom, we move toward the answer. And Father, we know that the answer is to be more like you. God, as we move into another act of worship this morning, Father, as as we just begin... Uh, to, to see what the holy spirit is saying to our hearts this morning would you open our hearts to what you would want us to hear even this morning as we worship you corporately and as a community we pray all those things in jesus name amen in just a few moments jason and this wonderful band is going to lead us again as we worship and continue in worship And as we continue in worship, we're moving to a part of the worship where you have a chance to respond. Now, you can respond exactly where you are. Uh, The Lord is where you are, and you can talk to Him directly where you are. Maybe the Lord has placed something on your heart this morning, and you just want to talk to Him. You can do that where you are. Maybe the Lord has placed something on your heart this morning that would cause you to want to come down to this altar and to bow before a holy God and spend some time in prayer with Him at this altar as you remember His sacrifice and what He did for you. Maybe you're looking for a church family, a church community, and this is where you want to corporately worship and place your life in. We would love for you to be a part of our family here at Holly Springs. Maybe you're needing to know what it means to have a relationship with Christ. That What we've talked about this morning has made some sense, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want to know how to have that relationship. I would love to speak with you about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Whatever the Lord's placing on your heart this morning, I pray that you would have the courage and strength to talk with the Lord about that as we stand together and as we sing with Jason.
1: I come, oh, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my Ahora song to rise to you, when temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you, oh Jesus, you're my hope and
2: stay.